Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we're discussing The Irishman, 2019, directed by Martin Scorsese, based on the book I Heard You Paint Houses, written by Charles Brandt, and screenplay by Stephen Zillion. We know Stephen Zillion best known for uh, being a writer on Schindler's List. Uh, he was on Searching for Bobby Fincher. He was a writer on A Civil Action. Most recently, he was also on. Uh, he was a writer with The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, American version, 2011. So everyone knows that. Well, if not everyone knows, I'll, I'll say that if you have been following movie news, then you know that. This movie, The Irishman, is a pretty big deal. We have returning stars Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran and Al Pacino coming in for the first time working with Martin Scorsese, as well as a returning favorite, Joe Pesci, who's been in retirement for, I think, like 15 to 18 years or something like that. He's been a musical artist, and so we're finally getting him out of retiring. Um, we also have Anna Pequin. We also have Jesse Plemons, Stephen Graham um, from Board of Empire, Catherine Nadarcy, Jack Houston, Bobby Cannavale. We have Harvey Keitel. We have an absolute stacked cast, Ray Romano. Um, honestly, the cast could not be any better. Now, there's going to be many different takes on The Irishman, I'll be honest. Um, I've tried to look two or three different podcasts, a couple of YouTubers online, just to kind of get a feel of what people are uh, thinking about The Irishman. Now, one of the big keynotes uh, that we need to talk about The Irishman is that it is a three-hour and 29-minute movie. So it's, it's a three-and-a-half-hour movie, and... It, it is quite a sit. It is revolving around um, the character of Frank Sharon, who's uh, played by De Niro, and he is a truck driver who becomes a hitman and gets involved with the mobster Russell Buffalino. I'm, I'm, I'm probably saying a couple of these names wrong, so uh, apologize, uh, apologies, and, uh, and the crime family. So, this movie covers the time of the main character, Frank Sharon, going from his, his you know, regular job as a young man all the way through him growing old. And this is told in a flashback form. So, it's not a different style from what Martin Scorsese has done before. This is very much one of his kind of quote-unquote biographical crime dramas just as many of his other films have been um some more loosely based than others you know something like uh he's one of the most memorable movies of all time goodfellas 1990 um featuring a lot of these same actors um has made cultural significance within uh or cultural relevance within the last 30 years and so he's, you know, Scorsese is known for bringing a, a style 
in a sense of uh, characterization, I would say, within his worlds. Like generally, you really get become, you really understand the characters you are hanging out with. So um, it's not so much of a taxi driver. I haven't seen Mean Street, so I can't say exactly what it could be compared to. I would say very much the beginning half of this movie is very much kind of like the introduction of Goodfellas is, you know, it's like introduction into the crime family and and, and the mob. So that's really just the front half of this movie. There are, this movie is very much kind of a three-section movie. It's the beginning of who Frank Sharon is. The second half is the introduction of Jimmy Hoffa, Al Pacino's character, and then the third half is the culmination of all of this coming together. Now, I was in the dark about Jimmy Hoffa, the historical figure, um, was someone I was unknown to, or I had pretty much next to no knowledge about. I was uh, kind of taken back. I, honestly, at first, I was like, wait, what is going on? You know, this... You know, Jimmy who? And so it took me a little bit to understand that this movie really was the culmination of those three major characters. Um, and, and that's uh, Frank Sharon, Jimmy Hoffa, and Russell Buffalino. And so Jimmy Hoffa was an American labor union leader who served as the president of the International Brothers of Teamsters. Um, union from 57 to 71 and apparently he was kind of an eccentric kind of guy and this allows Al Pacino to really uh, kind of use you know some of his uh, more lively acting skills than what he's used in the last I don't know couple movies he's been in most recently he not which is his record in the past 15 years has not been great so he very much channels I would say I don't know too much what Jimmy Hoffa was actually like in real life, but he felt very much if you took the Joe Pesci character, uh, maybe toned him down to maybe an eight and gave it to the and gave that character to the Al Pacino character. That's kind of what it felt more like for me. Um, but overall, you you probably want to know, you know, do you want to spend the time a three hour and thirty minute movie, uh, or do you want to go do something else? because um, that's quite a lot of time to dedicate just to a, a specific movie. Well, if you're a Scorsese fan, if you're a, a Robert De Niro fan, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, I, I think it would be a disservice not to watch this at least once. Um, I will say that right off the top, I, do f I was one of the people that felt the pacing. I have seen comments and I have seen other... Um, reviews that have said that this movie they, they watched it in the theaters a lot of uh, professional critics had screeners earlier two three months ago in new york and in la so a lot of those individuals watched the entire movie in the theater and i honestly could not think of how i could do that all in one sitting um three hours and 30 minutes i mean geez i if i'm drinking anything between that i'm i'm gonna be un either i'm going to have to pause the movie or I'm going to be uncomfortable for 40 minutes or something like that because normally I don't know how long people can you know hold them hold their bladder to wait to you know watch a crazy mobster movie but I I really do feel like 
having it on Netflix allows it to give the viewer their own intermission whenever they need it. And I very much felt like I needed an intermission through this movie. I absolutely thought the the acting and the performances were superior. Some of the best acting and uh, performances of across the board um, that I've seen in a very long time. Uh, maybe in the last two or three years, honestly, if not longer. Um, Joe Pesci specifically blew me away. Um, Al Pacino brought some great energy. And Robert De Niro, my goodness, he is uh, amazing through this. Um, this is also one of the movies that are being tested. Well, it's not really tested. It's really being used for the digital makeup de-aging technology. Now, when you're first watching this, you're like, good Lord, this is some good-ass uh, makeup effects. Well, it's not just makeup effects. It's uh, computer makeup that has always been applied very lightly to um, certain actors, if they wanted it to kind of just add a, a little bit of a softening effect or if they wanted to look a little bit older or younger. Well, this isn't just a little bit older or younger. I mean, they flat out take them, all uh, Robert De Niro's character and Joe Pesci's character, both. Um, you were f doing flashbacks from the time they are, you know, old, uh, you, you know, older men to... Uh, you know, as young as, you know, their mid-20s or 30s or, you know, when they were younger men and to the point where you're like, my goodness, this is amazing. So I would say the makeup and digital effects really worked for me with the exception of maybe Robert De Niro's eyes at some point. One or, one or two scenes I noticed that the blue in his eyes just way too strong and they didn't quite match uh, what De Niro currently looks like. Um... So, you know, acting, performances, the makeup, the effects, the direction. It's definitely got the Scorsese feels. Uh, I will say it's not as fancy as I would have thought a Scorsese film would have been. I, You know, some of the long tracking shots, um, they don't quite have as many of those, you know, impressive shots that we normally saw him do, maybe in like Goodfellas or... Um, I, I think the King of Comedy, I think, had some pretty good shots, in, in my opinion. Memorable shots. Um, I could only pick maybe a couple memorable shots from this um, specific film that I would want to recreate in my own um, medium if I ever had, you know, a style that I was aiming for in this particular setting. I found that very much had you know great direction in the way that it was conveying the story i will say some of the story felt like it was a little lacking in some areas where i thought it would have benefited from having maybe even more of a runtime make go ahead and make this a four hour feature and turn it into episodes i don't i don't really understand why what's the point in having a three hour and 30 how long of a movie do we really need before we can just say all right let's just trim this up because i really did feel like this movie uh, this movie yeah this movie would would have benefited from kind of having an act structure and i i think the episodic nature would have uh worked a little bit better in its favor but that's just me personally uh, you know scorsese wanted to make a movie so he made a you know a chonky movie um and now not everyone's going to say that i've heard several reviews say you know this was not 
a long movie for me at all. It felt more like a two-hour, three-hour movie and not three-hour 30. You know what? I, I'm not going to belittle those people because they, they enjoyed it just a little bit more than I did and did not feel the length or the pacing struggle through it. Because I, I, I was watching a couple of the uh, scenes, and some of them felt like they kind of were just going doing the runaround for absolutely no reason. They were, you know, two people would disagree about something, and then five minutes later they would call back, uh, on the line and say, oh, you know, don't worry about it, Tony. I'll, I'll see you at the coffee shop or something like that. You know, I'll meet you there. It's like, what, what was the point in the five minute runaround? You know, trying to, you know, to change the plans when it's ultimately going to end at the same place. You could have just edited that out of the movie and, you know, landed at the same place. I don't understand. Um, uh, I will say maybe on the family slash uh, the way the women were treated in the movie, um, they don't get tons to do. I mean, Scorsese's kind of always had this knock against him, and I don't want to say this, you know, like I've, I've been studying this for a long time. It's just something I've just sort of noticed all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, the women characters in his movies don't always get... Uh, tons to do tons to say i will say uh the women in his life in frank sharon's life do scrutinize him quite a bit not to the point where it's like nagging but you just like frank you are not a good person and you're a horrible father <laughs> and it's totally understandable to be that um it, it, it makes sense and i can see why there's not tons of you know, women behind the scenes in the mob scene because historically there never has been. So I I kind of wish that Scorsese was able to kind of work, you know, some some stronger female characters in there. Like we do have them in this. It's just we don't have them uh, kind of completing their own, you know, it's it's so much of Frank's, Frank's story. There's not really room to put um, a strong central female, which I... You know, if we had a little bit more time with this family, I really do feel like we could have gotten that. Um, and the ending for me personally was a tad abrupt. I apparently, uh, professional, what's it called, critics really enjoyed the ending. I felt the ending was a I don't want to say it's long because that doesn't sound right to right to me because I I think it's luxury luxuriating is that is that the right word I, I I'm not exactly sure what the right word is to to describe what it's not marinating it's not soaking it in because it's like, when I think of that I think of you know the scenes taking longer than they need to them going showing them going places they we don't really care about it's like there are scenes toward the last 30 minutes of the movie that feel like, all right, the story's all done. And so I'm, you know, where's this kind of going after this? And it very much feels like this movie has a long pre, pre, uh, prelude, is that what it is? And then like an extra epilogue at the end. So it very much feels like we're getting both sides of the story and they're both you know, thick with detail and history and story to the point where I I would say it could be overwhelming for some people. Um, 
I guess it really depends on the type of movie you're looking for. Because I, I can, as a, a, a film you know a goer, as a filmmaker, as a videographer, as someone who enjoys making the craft, yeah, I absolutely love watching this from a technical standpoint. From an enjoyable movie standpoint where I want to go back and rewatch this countless times like I have all, you know, hundreds of other classics. Um, I don't think so. I, I'm not, I, I can't see myself going back and rewatching this anytime soon. Um, there are scenes within this movie that are absolutely stunning and gripping. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to downplay that. I think that some of the scenes in this movie are some of the best scenes you're going to see this year in cinema. And so there's there's a reason that uh, Martin Scorsese can talk shit about Marvel films. It's because he makes amazing cinema. Not to downplay anything that happens in Marvel. I love Marvel and all, you know what they're doing over there, but um, and they make fucking money, so you can't say anything about that. I just will say that we, you are in the hands of a master, but with saying that, I think that Netflix might have given him extra rope and in a way, you know, extra, you know, extra funds so that you can make this amazing movie. I know that they had had this scripted out for quite a while, but as the technology got better, um, it, it only benefited the film as well. So... Ultimately, I'm going to give this an, a strong 8 out of 10. I wanted it to be a 9 out of 10. What's keeping me there is probably the pacing um, for me personally. And kind of the humanity of the main character felt like I started to become numb to him. I'm not sure if that was the correlation of how we were supposed to feel. Also, there are tons of historical figures in this that felt like uh, if I was just watching this as a non, without a critical eye at all, I would say, wow, those were a lot of names and there's no way I'm going to be able to remember next to half of them. So throughout most of the movie, um, it has that Scorsese freeze frame and it'll show, well, you know, uh, Billy Jean over there got shot up 20 times in the head and you you know he was really well liked and then continued the movie <laughs> and so I was like okay uh I, I like the freeze frame information it gives you a kind of insight to what happens in the future that we um may or may not see so I'm not gonna lie I liked a lot of the filmmaking of it I thought the editing in this movie was uh especially interesting i think if i do go back and rewatch this movie anytime soon um i think that i will be looking mostly for um the subtle edits the musical choices were um were kind of inter intertwined with the editing as well you know when somebody was uh whether they were walking down the road and getting ready to shoot somebody uh, some, it was the musical choice to have you know some something jolly in the back or complete silence, and I thought this movie kind of did that that balance pretty well. I will say the music as a whole found a little um, 
I, I can't think of the word. It's, it's, it's saying it's a tonal mismatch sounds like that I didn't enjoy it. I really did enjoy the the kind of downplayed style of the music that uh, it was uh, evoking. It wasn't. It wasn't this fast paced like. Okay, we're you know like Goodfellas very much felt like you were almost grooving as you were going along the movie because I do think they had a, a pretty extensive soundtrack in the majority of Scorsese's movies and if I go back and look at this I don't think this this was all um, composed by uh, Robbie Robertson who was uh, in the music department for Wolf of Wall Street, Ladder 49, The Last Waltz, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and uh, yeah some television as well but I honestly um, mixed feelings on the music. I probably would have had a different feeling for it. I think the that informs the pacing, though, and so that's where um it, it kind of intertwines the music, the pacing, the tone, all kind of correlate inside. And so um yeah, this really this movie really does show the uh, extension of these actors, and you know. If, in a way that you could say it's somewhat of a swan song, you know, it's how often are we going to see De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci all in a movie together, especially acting their fucking ass off. Uh, so, not gonna lie, I really did enjoy having all of them on screen. Alright, so, let's hop into the spoiler section. On this $200 million, million dollar movie that that is insane oh wait it's i'm seeing 159 on imdb but i heard it was around 200 million let's just say including marketing is 200 million which is still an insane movie for all this um let's see all right so we already know it's based on the book that is originally called uh i heard you paint houses which is actually what robert de niro wanted it to be called um I noticed the captions don't exactly match up what the script is on Netflix. I'm not sure if that's true for everyone else or if it's based on whatever you're watching on. I was watching on a Fire TV. Uh, tension in some areas was so tight, so tightly wound. And then in other scenes, it felt very minute. Not in a bad way, but I just noticed it in some areas. I'm not sure if that's exactly... Uh, directorial flair or not it but sometimes it you know the scene would just happen so abrupt and somebody just get capped right on the street i mean you know hello goodbye dunskies i mean sometimes you didn't even have time for a hello these these mobsters did not mess around um the little guy conversation this was when um jimmy hoffa was at the lake and he was talking to uh frank sharon about meeting with the guys and so by now you've already watched the movie or you don't care about spoilers. I wanted to kind of keep the, 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 the plotting of Jimmy Hoffa off of the spoiler section because not, not knowing that, that slice of history, that was completely foreign to me. I didn't know if they were going to kill or attempt to kill uh, Jimmy Hoffa. So that was what really had me on pins and needles. Now, people that know their history already know what what, what happened. Um, but like I said, the little guy conversation, it was like when they were right right about to meet, 
he, Jimmy Hoffa was at the lake, uh, and I don't know, he was like, I don't want to meet with the little guy, which was um, Stephen Graham's character, uh, Tony Pro. And that little guy conversation went absolutely nowhere. He, he's like, no, I'm not going to meet it because Tony's going to be there. And then like five minutes later, uh, he calls him and tells him he's going to be there. So that was one of the scenes that I was like, we there was nothing that was said. There was nothing that they did. There was nothing happened within those five minutes that didn't put you exactly where you were going to be anyway. So why didn't you just accept it? It felt like the runaround for absolutely no reason. Uh, that was just one bit of editing. Uh, The editing in this, I really like from a technical standpoint, but when it came to specific scenes that they just wanted to keep in there, I was like, why is this in there at some point? Um, great acting at, uh, the quote unquote serial scene. This is when they're in the breakfast dining hall, I guess. This is, uh, Joe Pesci's character, Russell Buff- uh, Buffalino. I'm, I gotta be saying that wrong. Um, Russ and Frank were having breakfast, and uh, Russ is saying, you know, Jimmy's gotta go. You know, it's I'm gonna send you up to De- uh, Detroit and just take care of it real quick. And seeing Frank's face, or seeing Robert De Niro's face, portray all that emotion all in i don't know like i don't know five it wasn't even a five minute scene but it was an amazing scene just the the lighting the positioning the acting i loved all of it i mean even joe pesci's character russ is kind of sitting way more in a shadow with light hitting more on frank just kind of signifying you know how dark russ is and how deep he's in it um there was this kind of narrative uh, voiceover that Frank was giving for the majority of the first hour and a half of the movie. I don't, I couldn't tell you exactly where it stopped. It, I want to say it might have stopped around where he met Jimmy, but I did miss that that voiceover. I felt like that's that voiceover is something that normally stays within Martin Scorsese's movies for much longer, and uh, I was wasn't really sure what the stylistic choice in that was just kind of like oh we ran out of funds for that or he he was like oh couldn't get robert de niro to finish the last two hours of the movie (laughs) in voiceover so um i honestly don't remember where it stopped so it actually could have been later in the movie just the the movie felt so long i was just like i don't i I was just thinking i haven't heard much from him you know he's awfully quiet once he starts to have to work for uh jimmy and at some points I was thinking, you know, we're, you know, is this movie even about Frank anymore? Um, very surprised to see Jesse Plemons in this movie as Chucky O'Brien. Really liked having uh, Jesse Plemons in there. He wasn't very, uh, it was not a very big role, but um, my goodness, he does channel like a young Matt Damon. I, I could didn't believe it until this specific uh movie but i i've always heard it and now i now i definitely believe it um this movie definitely shows the effects of growing older physically um you know you can kind of see the transformation through their bodies um specifically frank you know robert de niro's kind of you know i mean not kind of he is growing older i mean he probably grows grows he's probably ages 40 years within this movie if not more probably probably even more um 
Peggy is one of his, you know, uh, let's just let's just call it his favorite daughter. She's his favorite daughter, and we see Peggy observing her father as she's growing up. I don't know for countless amount of scenes, and. I was thinking the whole time, I was like, where is this going? You know, is she going to turn into the mobster? Is she going to turn him in? Is, you know, what's going to happen? And ultimately we see the whole last 20 minutes is uh, the deterioration of the mob and uh, Frank, Sharon, just as a person. How he's starting to lose himself physically as well as... uh, uh, emotionally with his family and it is it's hard you know to watch especially if you are you know a parent I, I'm sure it'd be much more difficult watching this just seeing the trouble that he's put on her and so the main issue I have with this storyline is that they didn't punch it enough they did all of the work of showing how Peggy was emotionally detached from her father starting from a very young age. However, it never shows that Frank really tried to, you know, hold his hand out as a as a loving and supporting father. He's there in a couple scenes when they're young. I mean, but it does show that he he leaves his uh his wife at one point and then they have like three or four kids and the way that the movie's shown and it happens so quick i'm like i don't even know who's at the, t- the dinner table at, at this point like it felt like it happened so quickly and abrupt that his life frank's life changing i couldn't even tell how many kids he had at one point he i thought he said like three or four at one point and um and then his you know new wife i was like okay so the storytelling in that felt like sloppy does not sound like the right word, but rushed a little bit in a way. Like, I didn't get a sense of progression as a family, I guess. He's always with Russ's character or Jimmy throughout the majority of the first half of the movie. They, he doesn't spend tons of time as a family man. There's only a handful of scenes. and So if he would have been slightly more of a family man as what the Goodfellas character was, um, even the Wolf of Wall Street, I would have said that Leo's character, Jordan Belfort, was, I'd say, more present to his his wife or you know his spouse at the time. And so was the Goodfellas. Uh, let me see. Good. Let me get the Goodfellas wife out here. I thought that she had, uh, in Goodfellas, the central female character in um, Karen Hill, played by Lorraine Bracco. Um, she she exhibited general genuine concern for dating a mobster, and there are scenes like you know you know the the scene in this movie was a uh, uh, Frank's wife was you know worried about turning and starting the car because of a car bomb and you know the the violence that is going on and that were that was the type of scene I wanted to see but I felt like he, 
he never really had a confrontation with his wife at all in a way that uh, the Goodfellas, uh, Karen Hill and uh, Henry Hill had. I really felt like they, they, Henry Hill and Karen Hill exhibited being a married couple that were also involved in a high life of crime. I did not feel that in this movie. And that kind of lost the urgency for me personally. Like, he's involved in the mob the whole time. I never felt like there was a point where his family was ever in danger. And and I kind of felt like there should have been a little bit of element of that. So there's no glorification of being in the mob of crime life in this movie as there is in previous Scorsese films. You know, m- you know, women, drugs, going, traveling. Uh, if you like nice products, fancy things, um, they were generally showing all of that big, nice mansions. Um, you know, just living everything to the extreme was a lot of the majority of Scorsese's older films, but generally there was always a downfall with it. You know, know, here's the high life and all the fun stuff, but don't, you know, keep waiting just a little bit longer because there's a massive tidal wave of justice coming straight for your ass. The thing about Scorsese's films are generally it's about... 80% 80% of living that fun life and then 20% at the very end the scariness the more tense stuff the more the more uh life-threatening stuff that happens in the majority of the crime flicks uh you know paradigm shifting um type stuff this movie has that except it's the entire last hour instead of the last 20 minutes when things fall apart it's the whole last hour so, yeah, I have a lot of, you know, things to say about this movie. I probably could go back and rewatch it and enjoy it a little bit more for what it is. If this was a movie on television, I don't know if I was uh, scrolling, if I'd stop and watch it. I'd it, the, the, the thing about it is it's all about the type of person you are as uh, a, a, a movie watcher or a movie reviewer or whatever just a casual viewer itself it it really matters to that degree because i mean i don't think i like if i wanted to recommend this to my my father who i think this is exactly who it's for it's you know my my pops is 70 and he's probably seen every robert de niro film since uh you know he's de niro was born so i mean this is the type of movie that it's like a dad movie in a way but the thing is I don't even know if my dad can get onto Netflix. Like he's not not Netflix savvy. He's and uh, let alone, I don't think he would be able to stay up this late. I don't. I don't think he'd be able to stay awake for three hours and thirty minutes. Like I just quite honestly don't believe that. Um, most, I don't know. Most people over the age of sixty or seventy that this movie's probably geared for are going to be able to stay up this late and they don't necessarily have to they you know this is the beauty of having it on netflix is you choose your own intermission i i, I heard martin thomas on double toast talk say that and i was like that is the most perfect thing to say about this movie because i swear i had two or three intermissions in this you know i was hungry i had to go to the bathroom i was like you know what i i just need to pause this for a second but you can't do that in the movie and with a three hour and 30 minute movie that for me personally, felt every bit of that uh, three hours. 
at least that three hours, then um, yeah, I, I I definitely agree it belongs on Netflix, and it's a solid eight out of ten movie, and I'm glad it's out. I'm glad we got all these fantastic actors together. I have small quibbles with it, but overall, I'm really satisfied with uh, where the Irishman ended up. Um, I think Joe Pesci stole the show for me personally. Um, uh, Al Pacino is a pleasure to have in conjunction with these other two amazing actors. And um, Anna Pequin is older Peggy. You know, she she didn't get tons to say, tons of lines, but she did a lot with just uh, emoting. You know, the nonverbal communication really was impressive. Um, So, yeah, check out The Irishman if you're really interested in... uh, uh, Scorsese or, you know, cinema. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for watching The Irishman or listening to The Irishman Review, whatever you're doing. Check out uh, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, all the social media stuff you use, we're probably on it. Check out Lucky Dog Podcast, uh, Podcast at gmail.com for comments, questions, concerns. Help us out in the like section. Hit a like, hit a comment, share it, subscribe. You already know what to do. Yous already know what to do. Take it easy. It's probably good I didn't do any uh, Italian mobster uh, impressions or anything like that. I was really gearing up for it, but I'm just... Uh, you uh, use a good guy. Use a bad guy. Use, it doesn't even matter. Get out of here. Get out of here. See, I told you it's a bad idea. <laughs> I lied. I, I I I have one scene that I did want to talk about. It is what it is. Scene, um, fantastic scene. I was uh from from both sides when the Joe Pesci character uh Russ is telling Frank. It is what it is, and it, they don't explicitly come out and say it, you know, what that means. But it, when he says it, it's like it, everyone knows. It's like a light has been turned on. It's like, oh shit, are you serious? Are you really gonna bring that bombshell now? So that was the type of scenes I really like. Take it easy, you wise guys.